Good morning, everybody. Time for the morning panel. Joined today by former London City Councillor John Fife Miller and Nathan Crancy, a political consultant. Uh, thanks to you both for coming in today. Thanks for the offer. Good morning, Devin. So I want to start by looking ahead uh, to Saturday uh, because uh, Saturday is the one-year anniversary of the Rogers outage. And at, at this time last year, I was still broadcasting from home. I was not allowed, I was not cleared to return to the studio. So I distinctly remember that morning, you know, it was like four o'clock in the morning. Internet was still working. Everything was humming along fine. And then all of a sudden, just like it gone. gone. And then I didn't know what, like, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not allowed to go in. I couldn't contact Juan to tell him, you know, you know, hey, man. That's devastating. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, if I can get a hold of you, I'm going to be really nervous. I'm telling you, I could get a hold of so. But then it's like a whole. Uh, so then I was like, I kept hoping that the, you know everything's come back so I can do the show. I'm thinking, oh, I had all these plans, blah blah blah. And then nothing. So I had a day. It was a Friday. Yeah. So I went out in the backyard. I did some. Uh, I did some yard work. I had breakfast. I worked out. Nothing was. I was. You've I was, had worse days, Devin. I've had worse. I've had worse. I, I, I was bored, and so finally, you know, later on, I, I, later with me and half of London, I was over at Starbucks because right. they had a bell, and then it was a it was an interesting day. But it was just it was a weird day. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious, uh, just to start, a like, what do you guys remember uh, from that day? Well, I remember, as a matter of fact, it was my uh, my best friend was getting married in Ancaster Mill, um, in uh, well, in Ancaster. And we had to go, I mean, it's not six hours away. It's only, uh, what, an hour and a half, a couple hours away. But it was, the wedding was on a Saturday and the Friday was the rehearsal and the rehearsal dinner and the whole thing. And um, we were, there was a lot of people coming in from out of town. So for us, it was only about an hour, hour and a half or whatever it is to get there. But for other people, it was, it was more than that. And so we couldn't get a hold of people and, you know, People that are very interested in the wedding were starting to get a little bit nervous, this type of stuff. Um, it was it was pretty stressful. I didn't even think – at the time, you're kind of in your own bubble, obviously, just dealing with your own situation. Obviously, we don't know what's happening. Trying to deal with, hey, can I borrow your phone? Are you Bell? Are you – you know, what are you using? Um, but the other thing that you think about after the fact, when I – you know, when you get home and everything's sorted out – is holy crap, there's people that have, you know, businesses that can't even work. They couldn't do anything. Hey, we are food delivery, for example, and we, you know, we need DoorDash or we're, we need internet services to even execute yeah. what we're doing. I heard a story, I think it was in, this, um, I think it was in Toronto of a lady who she owned a small business and her, her patio got destroyed that day and the cameras weren't working for some reason or associated with this and she yeah. wouldn't even, she couldn't even tell who it was. So, Anyways, I remember the the um, that situation, and really nobody knew what was going on. I think the CEO of Rogers had come out and said, our team's on the case and stuff like that. But it really shows you how, you know, vulnerable or, or what it would look like, depending on what the circumstance bringing down telecoms infrastructure or ability to function, uh, how our um, – <laughs> how we would be able to navigate that situation. So it was it was a little bit scary and it was it was a wedding for somebody else but uh anyways. So so for me I can remember we were taking my mother-in-law to a celebration of life in Sault Ste. Marie. So we'd cross the border. So oh. now we're in the US going along realizing that our ArriveCan app is not going to work in Sault Ste. Marie and having to deal with a lovely gentleman at the border who was questioning whether or not he actually wanted to let us back into Canada in order to get through. 
And I'm kind of like, man, you, you can't stop us from coming in. No, but I can stop you from coming back. And I'm going, okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. We'll assume that it'll work by the time we get it. But it, it's amazing how much you you are dependent on it yeah. at the end of the day. Um, you know, uh, I think at that, I think the guy said to me, he said, well, why didn't you do your arrive cam before you left? Well, it wasn't working when I left. So, and I didn't think to do it the night before we were going. So I just think it's, it's something that we are so, and have become so reliant on at the end of the day. And it completely frazzles everyone when they don't have I it. was at, I went to a TD cause like debits weren't working, right? And right. a lot of debits weren't working somewhere, some weren't. And there was a huge lineup to get cash, like it, like it was like the old days, you know. And everyone's right. grumbling, like I got to work, I got to, I got to pay for cash now with everything. And well, usually when I'm looking for cash, I line up in front of you, Devin. The bank of Devin. That's um, right. So, but it, it does lead to the question: like a year later, has anything? I know Rogers said they were doing stuff, but could this well, happen again? I, I assume this is going to happen again. What changes? The federal government permitted a merger between Rogers and Shaw, which yeah. is, yeah. you know, just awesome. It's great news <laughs> for a couple, you know, oligopolistic companies to come together and do that. Now, again, I'm not, I don't really know if that would make anything better or worse in terms of actual functioning or, or I don't know, the, the actual operations of what they're, of what they're doing. But I mean, there was hearings and there were MPs on all sides, uh, literally all sides asking questions and, you know, with their knitted brows and looking very, you know, angry and the CEOs speaking the way CEOs do. And, um, you know, that was that was about it. So I'm sure there has been I think CRTC, um, you know, asked for documents and things like that. I, I'm not quite frankly. I'm just not sure where it ended up. But I think that's the point: is people are going to be reminded of this happening, and they go, "Where, where the heck did this end up? Where are people nowadays, or where is the governance of this?" So. You know what? I don't think they'll remember it till it goes down again. Right. Once it goes down again, they're going to say, "Well, obviously they didn't do anything." That they, yeah. And and I think the reality is, you're right. It's going to go down again at some point in time. I think that. You know, them talking about whether or not they separate data from phone and so on and so forth. They talk about doing all these things, but all these things come with a price tag. And you know what? I just think that it's a it's a system and a service that at times is going to go down. And really, it, let's be honest, it's been pretty reliant to this point. Well, the to celebrate, Rogers is actually going to be starting Alex Manoa in Detroit this oh, weekend. Okay. So uh, perhaps we're going to get a, a bit of an outage there too. There, Devin. Man, I don't want to get into Alex. Like I don't, I'm, I don't know why they're doing it after a month. I, I for for Alex's sake, I hope it works out. But I'm I remain I need to be, just like Rogers and everything working again. I remain to be convinced. But I know, like, here's the thing. So, like, locally, good local uh, success story. Start.ca got bought by yeah. Telus, you know, a year ago, whatever it was. And so we see this consolidation that you kind of referenced earlier. I know people who, after the Rogers outage, went to Rogers like, right. because they were, they were just so sick of Bell. Like yeah. we have three options in this country. For all the bellyaching Bell had when they closed, you know, radio stations and whatnot, CRTC is pretty generous in terms mm-hmm. of their ability to just charge through the nose for everything. So – there's not a whole lot of like where do Canadians like there's not many places for Canadians to go here in terms of so all that all that we can hope that happens the next time is they work better together, which they're supposed to do, which was from this, but again, the proof will be in the pudding when it does actually happen. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people and I would never say anything like this, but there's a lot of people who would say that the CRTC and those who govern these uh, big Canadian companies are less concerned with ensuring good 
uh, customer uh, service and consumer satisfaction from these big Canadian companies, Rogers Bell tel- or uh, Rogers and Bell specifically. Um, less concerned with that and more concerned with simply preventing American competitors from entering the marketplace that's- because they would eliminate that. Now, that is uh, that's the problem. I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, readily available competition in the marketplace. Should we permit them uh, to do so? Um, but that's a choice that Canadians will have to make. And, you know, we pay a lot of money for our services. We relative to the rest of the world, um, reliability is not the the best here or especially compared to American partners. So it's a conversation that you need to have. And really, we again, we share a continent with the that's the biggest country in the world that has these major providers that they would be able to enter the marketplace, even to some certain uh, degree and diversify a little bit. But um, hey, that's not where we are with these things. Uh, and that's a decision that's been made by, by a number of governments. Does yeah, and, and I agree. And, and entering the market in a place like southwestern Ontario very easily and very quickly. On the, on the Rogers Day uh, was, was the real hero because, I mean, what are you going to do? But so Juan, Juan uh, stepped up in a big way. Uh, well, I, I, in a way, I don't know if people, would, all people would view it as stepping up, but uh, the province, the feds have stepped up to get this deal done with uh, Stellantis. Uh, Volkswagen deal was worth about $13 billion. Vic Fideli told Global News this is $15 billion in terms of uh, subsidies and incentives. And um, I, I personally thought there was going to be a deal done here just because they they couldn't not allow it not excuse the double negative they couldn't not allow it to have happen or to, for them to leave but uh, uh what are your reactions to this uh, Stellantis deal i'm going to say welcome to the new way of doing business in ontario <laughs> i think uh, i i think that uh, in order to make these work i think they've realized that when they're trying to compete in north america this is one of the ways they're going to have to step up and uh do i think it's good for for the province in ontario I think these businesses ultimately will be good, but they are going to come with a cost, no question. Yeah. I, I think um, just a couple of things on this. We talk so much about our relationships in Canada with the rest of the world. Um, number one being the United States, but with Europe or anything, especially when we're talking about industrial policy or including when we're talking about industrial policy. And what we have to acknowledge here with this Delantis deal that was just renegotiated, I guess you could say, is it came on the heels of the Volkswagen deal, which one of the clauses of that deal, for those of you still listening here, (laughs) one of the clauses is just that if basically you get money from the federal and provincial governments relative to what you would get from the United States under their Inflation Inflation Reduction Act, which was just the Green New Deal, they just changed the name. So... We talk so much about NAFTA and these free trade agreements and all these wonderful arrangements we've made with the rest of the world, um, including Europe. And what actually happens in practice sometimes? Well, this was not in there. We've allowed a company, Volkswagen, Stellantis, we've allowed companies to essentially bid governments, friends, up against one another. Hey, they'll give us, you know, $10 billion. You've got to give us $10 billion. Or they give us twelve. You give us 12. And there's also clauses in the same deal, apparently, we haven't seen them publicly, that say, well, if, you know, the United States reduces what they would have given Volkswagen or Stellantis, then Canada will, ha- will be able to do so as well. We're not on the hook for a guaranteed that amount of money. 
my point is just generally, we have to be realistic about what our industrial policy regulations are with our supposed best friends with the United States. We, there's a lot of updating and a lot of things we can do better to prevent companies from doing this. I am in favor, ultimately, of manufacturing and redomesticating manufacturing from a whole host of, of places and domesticating future manufacturing, making sure that, quite frankly, to the extent that these batteries are going to be built, I want as many of them built as close to my front door as possible, plain and simple. Um, similarly, we've said the same thing about oil and gas. I want, hey, there's going to be a market for oil and gas on the global stage. I want as many of, I want as, mu- as many drops as possible to come from Canada. So, you know, I guess the main point is this is what inspired this whole renegotiation. And we just have to be realistic. We can't just say, well, NAFTA is the greatest thing in the world and we have to worship it. No. You know, there's a lot of modern, modernization that should be able to happen. You got to look out for number one. Everyone looks out for number right. one. Uh, Volkswagen did that. Stellantis did that. The United States would do that. You know, sure, we're, we're friends. You know, we're best friends and everything. But the United <laughs> States, at the end of the day, they're going to look out for them over us. Uh, it doesn't matter who the president is, whether they're Republican or Democrat. Usually the Democrats are even more protectionist than the Republicans. Uh, so the Americans are going to look after themselves, number one. Canada's got to look out. So it's it's the, I mean, people said, listen, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's this, right. is, this is the game. And I think we're I, I think one of the things we're not good at is we're told over and over again that we have to celebrate lifestyle, right? We use that as a tool to sell at the end of the day. One of the things that these deals show me is that's not a selling point anymore. What's a selling point at the end of the day is the dollars on the table at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, again, I, I'm a huge fan of redomestication of manufacturing um, and domesticating future manufacturing to make sure that it happens yeah. again as close to our front doors here in London as possible. Um, and if that means that there's – that's what it, this is. This is protectionism, and that's okay. We're allowed to say that. There's always been a level of protectionism in the marketplace. I just want to make sure that our good friends as well at Unifor, if I can add a point, who are supposedly representing the workers in this, are not just representing the workers in comparison to other workers in different countries, but also relative to, for example, robots that are going to be entering the marketplace moving forward and making sure, hey, if this is 2,500 new workers or 3,000 or whatever the number is going to be, that we're making sure there are human beings there doing these jobs and not being ultimately replaced by you know, robots to do the same thing. Yeah. It's too late for this to change. Any, but if you go back in history, if, you know, if we could redo things over and if Canada could ever have had its own domestic car company, I mean, that changed. I mean, so like oh, you've yeah. got all these, like all, all every other country has like a domestic car company except for Canada. Right. Yeah. And so we're always reliant on these other companies. Now, I, a Canadian car company would still have plants elsewhere in the world in that hypothetical sort of a situation, but they would also have here. It's like, it's like we have Labatt. Like Labatt Brewery is still here. They have their yeah. elsewhere, but they're still here. And I mean, that's nothing you can change. It's just, but it's, I think, a point that we got to make that, you know, we don't have our own domestic car company and there sometimes you pay a bit well, more. Well, to your point, thank God we domesticated our beer companies first. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's fundamental. <laughs> Uh, on that note, we'll, we'll end uh, the uh, the panel. Appreciate you both uh, for coming in. That's uh, John Fife Miller, Nathan Carancy.